My journey as a Superman fan started with a tattered red cape blowing in the wind. That ending rocketed me forward like a red-blue blur through a decade-long origin story and poignant tales of self-discovery and now fatherhood and backward to the character's very beginnings. Now, on this podcast, we journey together across time and media to examine the stories that have defined the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the Superman of Kingdom Come is returning guest, sweet, sweet Bernie Gersmeyer. Welcome back. Evening, Anthony. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, my friend? Really good. Really excited to talk about this book. I want the audience to know how you rallied to do this recording. <laughs> you had lost your voice. And we didn't know if we were going to be able to do this. And just to pull back the curtain for a second, for the audience, it's only been a week since they heard us talk about Superman Returns. For us, it's been a little bit of time since that recording. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had a very short window of time between our planned recording and the release of this episode. And it was a little bit up in the air, but we made it. You made it. And I thank you. And I'm so glad that your voice is back where, where we need it. Oh, I, uh, I thank my high school students who were giving me home remedies. I was drinking apple cider vinegar and honey with lime and all this kind of stuff to try to get my voice back. And it worked. It helped a lot. Well, we I appreciate it. And I'm sure that the audience does as well. So like I said, they just heard us one week ago in the conclusion to our big Donnerverse event. You and I talked mm-hmm. about Superman Returns starring Brandon Routh. And like I said at the time, I wanted to cover Kingdom Come next because, of course, Brandon Routh would be back in blue playing Superman, the Donnerverse Superman. But they would incorporate major elements from Kingdom Come into that incarnation during television's Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I felt like this was a perfect a perfect time to cover Kingdom Come Superman. It was really cool to read this and then simultaneously then watch um, the CW scenes. And, and YouTube has them actually in a nice order. You can watch them like all the scenes back to back so you don't have to go through all the episodes. Yes, absolutely. That was very, very handy. So Just to give people a sense of what we're going to be covering, primarily we will be covering the main classic four-issue Elseworlds miniseries, Kingdom Come, from 1996 by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. We will, of course, also be touching upon the use of Kingdom Come Superman in television's crisis event. And then this is actually a two-parter. Next week, uh, fan-favorite guest Rich Roney will be back, and he and I are going to talk about the main sequel to Kingdom Come, the Thy Kingdom Come storyline from Justice Society of America by Jeff Johns, Alex Ross, and Dale Eaglesham. So we got a couple of episodes here dedicated to Kingdom Come. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, super exciting. So where do you want to start, man? How do you want to go? I always like to start big picture and and trying to get to the heart of this, especially on the personal side. So look, any list that you might find, and I've looked up a bunch of them over the course of planning, mapping out this podcast, any list of the top Superman stories, Justice League stories, Elseworld stories, DC stories, comic book stories. Kingdom Come is always on that list. And I'll talk about, you know, my experience with it in a second, but I want to throw it to you first because I know you've been excited to do this. Uh, Even before I had asked you and I had just said I was going to cover this, I know you commented, you're like, this is one of my favorites. So let me, the big picture question, I mean, what is it about this story in particular that has resonated with you so much and made it one of your favorites? Well... Gosh. Okay. So there's a number of sides of this. I really started reading again, like we've talked about in that death of Superman timeline. Um, This was like the first, I guess, outside of Superman continuity event that I got to experience as a a back reading again. 
And I had never really heard of Alex Ross. Is the, the first I had seen was his covers for Marvels, which was incredible to look at. Um, then I see Superman with gray hair, and I'm going, what is this all about? This is incredible. So I, I was super excited. It is really cool to say that I was able to read them when they came out. It wasn't, it wasn't after the fact in a trade. It was, I got them one by one as they came out. Um, my mom was super excited. She's an artist, uh, uh, not by trade, but by, but by very good talent. Um, and she was excited because she saw Alex Ross's work and even went as far as to get uh, that Eagle Bat Thunder uh, poster promotional and then was lucky enough later to actually uh, have it signed by Alex Ross too. So she still has it up in her house, but this is a very special book for us for many reasons we're going to talk about, but it is, it is in my top 10. And, uh, and I think rightfully so. And everybody I've talked to at the comic book shop says that is an essential that we should always have in the store. Yes, I can speak to, first of all, it's great to hear all of that and we'll you know unpack it as we move forward. But yeah, I can say from my own experience working at a comic shop for many years, that was always one of the, one of the books that if someone came in and, you know, it didn't happen all the time, but yeah, every now and then you'd get the, <laughs> the unicorn of like, oh, I'm looking to get into comics or looking to get into Superman. What should I read? And yeah. that was always one of the ones that you would show to someone. It's funny because, of course, I was reflecting on my own experience with Kingdom Come, and you know, I was nine or ten when this first came out. I did not read it in single issue form, but I did read it in probably the first trade paperback that came out very shortly thereafter. Because I remember, I mean, I remember being a kid reading it, and I guess I have somewhat of a weird history with it because I liked it. I mean, I remember liking it as a kid. But for whatever reason, and I, I couldn't tell you why, there's nothing I can really pinpoint, for whatever reason, this was not one of those things that I always went back to, or that I always really held up as, as one of those all-time greats. Like, I recognized its value, and that's why I would recommend it to people. And again, I remembered it fondly, and I understood why people liked it, but it just, I, I don't know. I really couldn't tell you why, but that's why I was so excited for this episode to finally go back to it. I mean, I have not read it in I don't know, probably two decades. I mean, it's been a oh, really, wow. really long time. So I was coming to this with such fresh eyes and I appreciated it so much and I enjoyed it so much. But I will say one thing that sort of came to mind that I recalled as I was going through this process, I do remember being a kid, like really a kid and reading this for the first time and just being so struck by the art in particular. And I, I what I can appreciate now is that this really gave me a wider sense of what comics can be and what comics can look like. I had never read a fully painted comic before. I've not read a ton since, to be honest, but it was right. one of those things, you know, every comic I had read looked, you know, more or less the same. And so I, I definitely have that memory of being a kid and me like, whoa, like this is different and this is really cool. Mm -hmm. I, um, it, that's what struck out to me is when I when I got to really learn more about how Alex's creation process is and how he use he has consistent models that he uses for everybody from Norman, his dad, um, to uh, Superman. There's there's actual models that he has sit and he would create these sketches of um, that's just very, very different than anything we really got to see, especially 
in the 70s through the 90s until until we see this in Marvels and in Kingdom Come happen. And that's that was to me like, wow, this is some this is on another level. I'll, like still a comic, but but it really brought comic art to I think a new definition. And how how often, how frequently have have you gone back to it over these years? Is this like every year you read it or not quite that? Oh frequently? no, gosh. I wish I I wish I could do that. Um I'd say there's a number of books and series that I have on rotation. Um, I would say it's it's a safe bet maybe every five years. I'd say every five. And I was I don't think I've read it in about five since like when you asked me to. I was excited to hear you're doing it. And and then now that I had another chance to reread it, it brings back such cool memories it's just because of what the story means. Uh, there is a faith aspect that's important to me too. Um and also just, you know, I, because of how the death of Superman affected me, seeing that black and red S was very interesting and different. Like, why is he wearing this now? What's going on? Um, so there's a lot, there was a lot for me to connect to and still is. It's still a very important part of my comic book journey. Awesome. Now that's fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I've used the word tentpole a lot on the show, mm -hmm. talking about the tentpoles of my fandom, the death of Superman, Smallville, the Snyder movies more recently, Superman and Lois right now. I mean, you know, I, I see that already forming as, as one of those tentpoles moving forward. And I wish I could say that this occupied that same space, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't. But I, again, like I said, I, I enjoyed it so much. I appreciate it so much. And I love, though, that it's it's been that for you, just as I know it has for so many others. So... I, you know, I don't know that anyone really needs a full on plot summary, but just in case <laughs> anyone needs a little refresher, you know, we're in the, this is an Elseworld story. So out of mainline continuity, but we're in the future of the DC universe mm -hmm. and Superman has turned his back on the Clark Kent identity, on his humanity, on his role as Superman 10 years ago after Lois and the entire Daily Planet staff died at the hands of the Joker. Superman brought the Joker in to bring him to justice only to have him killed by Magog, one of this new breed of superpowered beings who were more reckless and didn't care about the people that they were meant to protect. And rather than the people siding with Superman, they sided with Magog. And it was really this ideological betrayal. And Superman, again, abandoned his, his role as Earth's protector and went off to live a life of solitude at the fortress. And... That's, of course, you know, where, where we pick up um, with, with Superman and we go from there. But, uh, you know, there's so many things that, that struck me about this. And, and while it obviously touches on, you know, many corners of the DC universe, Superman is, is really at the heart of it. So, of course, making it a natural, you know, a natural fit for this podcast. Right. And one of the things that was so interesting, I think this happens a lot when there's something that then gets imitated or homaged or, or whatever you want to call it down the line. But when you go back and you see the thing that came first, like I, recently on the podcast, I covered the Injustice animated movie, mm -hmm. right? And so now, but going back to this, it's like, I, you know, you see what a clear inspiration it was. You know, Injustice went off and did its own thing, but clearly took many cues from this. So it was very interesting just to kind of put some of these pieces into their proper context. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I... I don't know. Somebody out there will know better than me, but I, I think Tom Taylor is maybe 40, maybe just past. Um, but that does kind of make sense. If, if this is a tent pole for him, 
and he read it maybe in when he was 16 or 17, that would make sense. That's part of his DNA as to why in justice, he's like, well, let me put this, let me do kingdom come, but maybe turn it on its ear a little bit and see what, what would happen if Superman didn't walk away and instead stayed and changed. Right. And that, that to me was an injustice actually. And, and you know, this, cause we've talked about this, but injustice is also in probably at least my top 10 to 20 series also, because I don't love when Superman goes bad. And again, we've had episodes about that too, and how that gets kind of old. It's about, it's about more than what Superman does. It's what and how it affects everybody around him. It's how he moves from hope to fear. And in this case, he went from hope to solitude. And, and that was that's a really interesting way this book starts. And we don't even have the book start that way. I like how Mark and Alex don't do it chronologically. Right. They tell why he left as an anecdote. But we start with the world is a mess. And we find out why it's a mess, which I love. Yes, no, that is a fantastic point. I, I, I do love that. And of course, you know, going into it, knowing the story, you know, you know what's going to be revealed, but, you know, reading it for the first time as, you know, as, as best as I can recall, it's like, yeah, it's this huge mystery of, you know, where, and it's not just Superman, but most of his contemporaries sort of followed his lead and, and took more of a backseat and really turned the reins over to this new breed of superheroes. And, and again, they're wreaking havoc across the globe and it culminates in this, in the, uh, the, this huge detonation in Kansas that, that wipes out, um, you know, millions of people. And that finally is enough to bring Superman out of seclusion when Wonder Woman brings it to his attention. And he then takes a much more active role in affairs. And then we, you know, we go from there. So uh, yeah, really, really fascinating story. I, I think I know my answer. It held up for you upon this reread. Oh yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's cool is, and, and we talked right before the podcast. So, for, so the so the listeners know, you have the the traditional with a little bit of like you have like the basic DVD, and I have the Blu-ray with all of the all of the extras in the absolute um, anniversary edition. And in the back, I just told you there's an afterword from Mark Wade, and I don't know if you know this, but Mark Wade originally didn't intend this to be a Superman story. So the way this was originally brought is Mark really wanted this to really almost be kind of a sequel to the, to James Robinson's golden age. And, and, and that mentality of all of the heroes and unpacking what happens when they're older, what happens when a new generation comes around, are they obsolete? How do they deal with that? And as he continues to write it, Alex Ross kind of just says, you know, this is a Superman story, right? And Mark, Mark is not really pleased about this. And the comment that Alex made was, listen, this, is, this always needs to be about the generals, not the infantry. So the story shifts and you can see when and how we really talk about Superman. We talk about Superman's relationship with Batman, Wonder Woman. And we see, we see not just the Trinity, but we see the Justice League in general. Where have they been? How are they? And how have they been affected? But all it comes down to, like you said, it's a Superman story. And, and he is the linchpin with, between him and, and Captain Marvel as to how this goes down. I was not aware of, of that backstory. That's really fascinating. And yeah, it gives you insight into the process of, of you yeah. know, how, how we get to this. Because, you know, you read it and it's like, oh, so clearly, you know, Superman's at the heart of this. Of course, it must have always been the intention. So Nope. <laughs> yeah. 
you mentioned the the, the religious aspect to this. And mm-hmm. what's so funny is that I've talked in other episodes about how when we deal with a lot of these big DC events, the big crossovers and everything, mm-hmm. one of the things that I always find missing and long for is a point of view character. Oh, yeah. And here in the story, we have it, this priest, Norman McKay, who partners up with the Spectre and is our POV character through this story. And I, I said to myself, because again, I read this, you know, late 90s before any of the, you know, I don't know that I had even read Crisis on Infinite Earths yet. So before, you know, and then certainly all the crisis events that would follow. And I'm saying to myself, is that why? Like, is this why I'm always looking for that point of view character? Because I saw it work so well here. There might be something to that. I think you're, I think you're totally right. I always enjoy issues where a character that is not part of the action is telling the story. I always enjoyed the Lois Lane narrations when it's about Superman and Batman or Bibbo telling the story when he has nothing to do with it, but he's just outside the Ace of Clubs watching what's happening. And he's telling the emotional side of what it really means to see this unfolding. I I think you're right, though. I I think that Norman McKay is us. And and it's really interesting because not just us, but but an older us that let, let's say that we were around when Superman was younger and to see everything unfold and to remember the age of heroes and to see what's going. And, you know, we, we love to say like, ah, oh, well, back in the day, it used to be this way. That's literally what Norman was talking about. Like what happened? Who let this happen and why? And then the specter unfolds that story more for him because Norman didn't fully understand. But I love I love it's I think it's genius. I think it's used so well. And, uh, you know, kind of continuing along this track, I know you mentioned that the religious aspects of the story, you know, particularly appeal to you. And we even talked about this in the last episode with Superman Returns and mm-hmm. sort of the, uh, you know, the the Messiah comparisons that you see in a lot of these Superman stories. And we talked about how, you know, you are a man of faith. And so I was just curious, like, what your take on the Norman McKay of it all is and, and what faith in the DC universe might look like. Like, what what is your relationship with, with this in the story? Well, okay, so... In case again, so if you've read it, you you understand what we're getting at with Norman McKay being a pastor in, in his church. Um, what we might not know is that Alex Alex Ross came up with the title Kingdom Come. Um, he came up with it, and Mark always like gives really good props to him about it. That he brought this these passages from Revelations to it, and basically. There's been so many interpretations of Revelation done because it's really spoken through as, as Mark Wade puts it, through the eyes of St. John. Um, and we really don't know exactly what John saw, but this is what Norman's getting at too. He's trying to interpret what has happened and what he's seen and what he's hearing from the specter. Um, I, I feel that faith in the DC universe always looks like redemption. I feel that that is a common thread, that there is clearly hurt, there is evil, there is sin, there is pain, and sometimes it can be taken care of, or sometimes there's sacrifice that then is redeemed, or sacrifice that is just plain sacrifice, and you fe- and we feel loss because we've had a hero taken away from us. But this is really cool in this story because we see Superman walk away. And he is one of the most powerful beings in the universe. 
and he chooses to walk away. So it's not just a redemption story for humanity, but it's a redemption story for Superman because he he's actually seeking forgiveness from walking away from it all. Right. And that, that's, that's where I see these connections inside books like this, where it's like, oh, okay, we can, we can take this back to you. You want to take it back to, you know, new Testament. You can find it in here. If you, if you look hard enough, how, you know, I don't know how well read you are on, on the book of revelations in particular. I mean, how familiar were you with these specific passages? I mean, enough that there's, there's so much imagery of what you will see in around the throne, what will happen, the order of events when, chaos reigns on earth before it is then taken back up to heaven. But again, they're all visions that John had. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting how they're even drawn. If you look in the pages, they're not sharp. They're very blurry. So they're not perfectly distinct. It's like blurry shades of images. So you yourself are almost going like, is that an eagle? Is that a bat? What is that? And, it, and we're interpreting, even though we're being told what it is and we know what it is. But I love it that we've, it's not as clear. You know, when you have a vision, it's not as clear. But Alex, again, I just, I love the dude. He's, he's, he's smart at what he does. Yeah, for sure. And how, were you familiar or have you become familiar with Gog and Magog in scripture? Because I, I know they pop up in a number of religions and sometimes they're people, sometimes they're places. Oh, and I just, where did I, oh, I should have written this one down. I just saw uh, Gog is an actual person in, in the Bible. There is a character. I forget. Oh, gosh. I'm so mad I didn't write it down. It's guys. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I knew I, I didn't take enough notes. Um, but yeah, that's not a made up. That's not a made up character. That is uh, that is a reference, a direct reference. Right. And because they do talk about this a little bit more. We'll, we'll talk about it next week in Thy Kingdom Come when, oh, right. uh, you know, the Superman of Kingdom Come is on our earth and is trying to prevent the rise of of Gog here. Yes. Uh, and they, they do talk about that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, you, know, you definitely see how this was was pulled from from Scripture. I was curious and I, you know, I hope you don't mind me asking you all these questions, but I, no, it's, it's okay. fascinating to get your take, especially on this notion of of what faith would look like in a world like that. A couple of questions. One, I mean, was there anything that you wish Norman McKay had had asked the specter or a discussion that you, you know, would have loved to have seen play out between the two of them. I mean, I, I and not, not critiquing it. Cause I think it's what's there is wonderful, but was there anything that you were like, Oh, it would have been really fascinating to see this. I, I, I was curious on this read through, especially where I'm in my life right now, talking about faith, why he didn't ask more questions about like the, uh, gosh, what are you going to call them? The circle. So where where you have Zeus and you have um, all the quintessence, all the quintessence. Thank you, thank you. I was looking for that because um, that alone should spark some questions as from Norman as a as a faithful man of God to go. Excuse me. So which one of you is the God I believe in? I think that that was a question that I was curious about. Like why didn't he ask that? Or or so where is my God at this table? Or have you left him out? You know, I just think that's interesting that you bring a you bring a pastor in, and he doesn't ask that question when he's outside basically the 
material plane and he's actually really able to talk to what seemed to be gods and didn't question either his own faith or offer where is my god kind of deal going on yeah that would have that would have been cool to see that play out yeah you know you always wonder about this because i mean a few different angles to this as mm -hmm. as readers we you know we read these stories we know the origins of these characters we know that they got their powers from accidents or science or right. they're aliens or whatever the case may be but for the average person in the DC universe, I don't know how dialed in they would necessarily be to that. And what, so what they have to rely on is what they see and hear. And, you know, you have these, these beings with powers that, you know, based on any faith that they would have been raised with, right? Like would, would only belong to a truly higher power. So, you right. know, you really do have to wonder how that would mess with someone. And, what they would transfer from, you know, the, the, the traditional faith that they've had for that, which, whichever religion they belong to, to these beings who are flying around who can hear their quote-unquote prayers and they're pleased to be saved and, and, can, and can actually do that, can, can do the sort of things that you're typically told man, man doesn't have the, the power to do, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> this podcast could go down a, a rabbit hole talking about faith and kingdom come. I also I really do think that Mark and Alex were very, very smart about um, leaving this up to interpretation, but not smacking you in the face with it. I, I think they also maybe had to make sure they could sell books and realize if they got too far down that path, that could change. And maybe some things from above, um, they might say, you, you got to take you got to tone it down a little bit. Um, but it is it is interesting because even when we talk about Superman being an alien, that can rub people the wrong way in Christianity because the minute you talk about life off of Earth, that changes your view. But again, that's really an interpretation of who God is and what he did. Did he only create Earth in those six or seven days or did he create multiple places in those six or seven days? And that's just... That's, that goes down to the individual and what their level of faith or understanding might be and how they interpret it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's really interesting the way it plays out here. But either way, yeah, I think Norman McKay is a wonderful point of view character that yes. that allows us, allows the reader, you know, very easy access into the story but, and also creates this real sense of foreboding because he's, mm -hmm. you know, first he's counseling, ministering to Wesley Dodd, Sandman, yeah. who's, you know, in, in his final days and having these visions of, of the end of times. And then once he passes, they transfer yeah. over to, to Norman. So, you know, we definitely know we're building to something biblical. Yep. And he's our guide through this. Yeah. I, I love, I love his role in this and, uh, the our earth version of Norman McKay pops up in the thy kingdom come story, uh, mm -hmm. in justice society, which is cool. But yeah, I, I really love the way this character is used and I, you know, I'm jumping to the end here, but he's the one who talks Clark down yeah. at the end of the story after the world leaders have dropped this atomic bomb on the gulag that Superman and, and his allies had set up to imprison everyone. We'll talk about all of that. Yeah, but, there's, there's a lot. You know, Superman's yeah. on this rampage and again, he's given up the Clark identity. He's returned to being yeah. Superman at this point, obviously, but still not Clark. And Norman appeals to him as Clark mm -hmm. and is able to convey to him that, you know, he needs to forgive himself and is able to get through to him. I mean, he really, so he's not just this, you know, this passive guide throughout the right. story, this, this, you know, uh, uh, silent observer, he, you know, he really steps up when it counts. Well, and there's, there's two things about that. We spend four books of this series where, uh, 
Superman, Kal-El, keeps reminding people to stop calling him Clark. That It is very clear he has turned that off and that is gone. But it's also very, very mindful of them to not choose an everyman as the point of view. They chose a pastor who would definitely have coaching or an understanding of how to say, like my son, it's okay. Like, bring it back. Let's make sure you're like, let's let's really understand why this is going this way. A regular Joe or Jane on the street might not have that ability to, to talk sense into somebody in that way. Whether you're a raging alcoholic, whether you're dealing with an addiction, whether you're dealing with some sort of sin, I mean, Clark's dealing with anger and, and murderous rage. So you need a Norman McKay in this sense to talk somebody down like that. And he appeals knowing that Clark will snap it, snap him out of it, not Cal, but Clark. Right. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I'm sure plays at least some role, although it's not stated explicitly, and mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about this here and there on the show, you know, I know not a lot of comic book stories, some, but not a lot really touch on what Clark's faith would, would be. But right. again, growing up where he did, you imagine that going to church on Sunday was a part of his life and was part of what Ma and Pa raised him with. So again, even if it's not talked about often, you figure it's probably there. And I'm even if it's the, a smaller part, it definitely the appeal to his humanity and to Clark won the day. But, you know, you have to think that maybe there had something to do with the fact that, you know, he had that connection from his upbringing. Well, and outside of Superman, I'm trying to think. Sometimes we hear of like some of the Egyptian, like when we talk, like when you're going in the Hawkman and Hawk Girl, like backstory, you hear some of the Egyptian gods. What we need to remember too is there was already faith in Clark's life as he goes through his Kryptonian heritage. There was the Book of Rao, there was Rao as a god. Krypton was a faithful society that mixed science into their religion as well. So it's not hard to believe that this already exists in the Superman lore. And then to grow up in the Bible belt, um, it's, he just, I'm sure he just shifted into where, how Ma and Pa appreciated or were part of their own faith. And, you know, another thing that, that just sparked and, you know, folks here, you know, look, don't talk about religion or politics, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like this is a very natural conversation. And, and, you know, I've talked about this before, just sharing from my own perspective. I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school from pre-K through college. It's not right. something that I currently practice, but I have respect for it. And again, it's a big part of my life growing up. But so when I talk about this, I'm really coming at this more from a an intellectual or academic perspective. Like, I think they're interesting questions. So wherever right. you happen to fall, you know, no one's trying to, you know, thrust anything yeah, we're not, on you. We're not, con- we're not looking for converts here <laughs> through our podcast, everybody. We're, it is part of the story. So we're touching on it. <laughs> but the thing that I think about is, you know, I, I think we can wrap our minds around why humanity has looked to religion, looked for meaning, looked for answers. And like we talked about, I think things get a little interesting dicey when you introduce superpowered beings into the DC universe, right? Because now it's like, well, these are like the beings we've prayed to. So what does that do? But then you wonder for the superpowered beings, Mm -hmm. do they look to religion the same way that, you know, humanity would, you know, did prior to their arrival? It's like, if you are Superman, you have the powers of a God, you have people praying to you, you know, do you long for that for yourself, for your own spiritual well-being? I wonder. You're going to talk about it more. You're going to have to 
uh, in the next one with for thy kingdom come and the kingdom itself, because that is a through line where there is a cultish religion that comes into play for people who follow followers of Superman um, in the future. So uh, not to foreshadow too much, but you're going to have to hit on it again, buddy. So <laughs> it's going to come back. Um, and how do people start looking at superheroes as gods? You know, I mean, I, I think there's always been this sensationalism, like almost a celebrity kind of vibe, whether it be a superhero, whether it be a, a rock star, whether it be a uh, famous actor, we like to, as humans, attach something sensational. So you see somebody, the regular human sees somebody with superhero, and we, we tend to say godlike powers, whether it's Shazam bringing the lightning down um, or Superman lifting a building off the ground. There's going to be some sort of reverence in there. Like an, it's an almost a, a sensational sense of awe. So it is very similar. So I think people would fall into that hero worship, so to say, to use a, to, to turn a phrase. Um, so I, I think it's pretty natural for the regular person to start attaching faith or godlike things to these characters because they can do things we can't. And that's what we see it as. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like if this were ever to happen in the real world where <laughs> beings yeah. like Superman appeared, I think, and look, the, you know, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman got at this idea, which is one of the things that I liked about it. I think you would have a wide range of reactions. There would be those who think it's not real even if right. they saw it with their own eyes, if someone told them that it was fake, they think <laughs> it was real. There would be that. There would be those who who thought that they were divine. There were those. There would probably be those who think they were sent from above. There right. would be those who would look for more of the scientific explanation. You you know you would really. I'm sure you would get that that wide mix. So, yeah. anyway, very interesting questions, and and you know one of the one of the things that this book gets at that I think makes it so fascinating. Let's take a quick commercial break, and then we will continue. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. 
visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. And we're back. Bernie, want to give a plug for uh, the comic shop that you are involved with, All Yeah Comics? Oh, I'd love to, man. Thank you. Um, All Yeah Comics, we've got multiple locations. The one I'm affiliated with in their community is All Yeah Comics here in Skokie, Illinois. We call it beautiful downtown Skokie. Uh, We're just about 20 minutes outside of uh, downtown Chicago, but our store has an amazing mix of new issues, back issues, trade paperbacks, uh, Funko Pops, collectibles, uh, some toys, hard to find key issues. And what we're we're most excited about is our our, our kids section. We're, we're blessed to have Oya Comics be kind of flagship stores for Art Baltazar and Franco, who were the writers of Tiny Titans and Superman of Smallville and um, a lot of other great series. And uh, Art is our resident artist for Skokie. And the Aya Comics Harrison store is where Franco is located on the East Coast, just outside of New York City. Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you guys come into the store. Say hi to Sweet Sweet Bernie and my, my buddy Joe. And uh, yeah, so thanks for giving me a chance. No, of course. And Aya Comics Harrison, that's my local shop. I have a pull list there. I have, well, people will be hearing about this in upcoming episodes. I have a pull list for the first time in years. I'm really proud of you. I'm very proud of you. And I got there <laughs> in part because of this podcast, because I've, I've caught up, like I've closed in, from, from crisis on infinite earths to the present. Mm-hmm. I only have a couple of remaining gaps in my reading history and they'll be closed by the end of this year. So I have added action comics, the current war world saga to my list. I've also added <laughs> for better or worse. We'll see. I'm keep trying to keep an open mind flashpoint beyond and dark crisis. And I did that. In, well, I'm really getting ahead of myself here, but whatever. People know I plan way ahead on this show, and I've yes, got you do. It's I've got good. this run of 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 episodes on the DC Crisis events that will probably kick off next year on the podcast. So I want it to be current as as these events are unfolding. But anyway, uh, I just just to echo what you said. Yeah, all yeah is a, is a wonderful you know family of stores and. I do hope that people will check out. Oh, yeah. And the other question for you, where does Sweet Sweet Bernie come from? Because I started to see people refer to you as that and address you as that on Facebook. And that's why I introduce you that way now. But where does that come from? It, it is ridiculous. I don't even know. Uh, so Mark Hammond, the owner of Oya oh, yeah, Harrison, started in the pandemic doing live sales online. So he's got a massive inventory. And when there was nobody that could come to the store, we were all on Facebook live sales claiming like in an auction format, he would show a book, talk about it, say, this one's going for $10 and you had to put claim and your, and whatever book you wanted. Um, so there'd be up to 30 people sometimes on the sale every other day or every, maybe once a week. And, and I came on the sale and Mark at some put some, some way she performed said like, Hey, Bernie's on this well. He's a sweet guy, sweet Bernie. And then, um, and then Ben, his, his co-worker went, sweet, sweet, Bernie. And then that just stuck. And now there's people that on their phones, because they use their phones for the live sale to p- type in, 
there's people that have said when they start typing sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet Bernie gets filled in by their phone. onto their, So that's disturbing, but wonderful all at the same time. It's that's hilarious. amazing. I did not realize that this was so recent. I, I thought this was a long, a long oh, term. Oh, no, it was the last few years. And I'm, I was kind of, I got snarky on a sale just being goofy. And then somebody called me sweet and sour Bernie. And it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's, it's stuck, but it's, it's mostly on the live sale and, and the, and the all yet community. So. Gotcha. So, all right. Uh, zeroing back in on kingdom come here. Yeah. The thing that I enjoyed most about this and found most valuable and and interesting and worthy of discussion i guess is 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 the nuance to the challenge the tension the the conflict that superman faces in this story we talked about injustice a recent story that takes a lot of its cues from kingdom come and in that story lois is killed by the joker or joker is ultimately responsible and superman loses it and kills the joker and starts down this path and we chart his descent and right I've not played the games or read the comics, but I did watch the animated movie. I did an episode on it. I was not particularly enamored by it. And I was with the character to a point, you know, the fact that he would break and kill the Joker tracked, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stay on board with the depths to which Superman fell. Even though it is an, an alternate take on the character, I just felt like yeah. it's it's lost me here. Well, there's, in my notes, um, I, I asterisk as I was reading, it was part two, the truth and justice side of things. Um, my brain kept going back to the creation of in the Wildstorm universe of the group called the authority, which has now returned into continuity and is working with Superman, which is really interesting to me. Um, the reason I bring this up is that in the injustice story where Superman to everybody goes off the rails is where he really takes this authority position where he goes for years, Batman and I have been trying to do the right thing and whether through hope or fear, put people away who are criminals, they still come back, they still escape and they kill more people. So we're done with that. We're not doing that anymore. So does he kill the Joker? Yes. Does he, go off the rails and start murdering people. He, he doesn't in those books because he it's veiled in this idea of no, like now justice means if you're wrong, you die. Like, and that gets considerably black and white and very dark quickly. And that's of course not going to be looked at as good by the heroes in the kingdom come sense. Superman sees others doing that. So he doesn't know how to react. He doesn't clearly agree with that. And then when he sees the masses go, yeah, that makes more sense. They're criminals. We're innocent. They're killing innocents. They should be killed. And then they're like, yay. And then he's like, I, I don't know what to do with this. So I think he just, he leaves not out of fear, but leaves because of, I guess, the unknown. He is dumbfounded as to what to do yeah i mean that's the thing it really feels like this like i said earlier this ideological betrayal and i mean so so a couple of things i think it's so heartbreaking but so fitting that his greatest sin in this is at least at the outset of the story is mm -hmm. inaction right and 
here's this man of action. He debuted in Action Comics. The sign-off yes. for this podcast, which comes from Infinite Crisis, which of course came out years after Kingdom Come, but it's about what you do. It's about action. Yeah. So for this man of action to give in to inaction and abandon his post, it, you know, is it is it as visceral and thrilling as when he shoves his arm through the Joker's chest? No, maybe not. But no. it's so it's so much. I think so much. There's so much more depth and nuance to it. And so again, the fact that that you know inaction is his sin, uh, you know, really gives us I, I think a lot to to sort of explore here. And and again, this idea that Magog, like one of this new breed of heroes does take that step with the Joker, kills the Joker, and, you know, Superman expects that people would react the way he does, mm -hmm. and they don't. They're happy. This is what they want. They want to see the Joker punished. And, you, you know, he's, he sees this shift, and, it's, and, and he abandons his post. Um, you know, the, the, the masses, the people in our stories, and it's funny, you're just finishing up the Donnerverse stuff. Look back to Superman 2. He's fighting the three Kryptonian villains. They're clearly winning. And and he he's hurt. He doesn't know what to do. He's he's at a loss and he flies away. And the first thing you hear is like, "No, no, don't leave us." And and then things shift and it gets gets rough there too. But the masses and the regular people have always been a very interesting barometer in these stories, either cheering on our heroes or like we've seen in our bronze bronze stories together where, you know, you can't win. Superman will like try to hold this building up from falling on hundreds of people, but then they're mad because the building, he didn't fix the building when he, before he left and they're yelling at him saying, you're a bum. So it's just very interesting to me. Like, He's at a loss and the people are the ones that are really forming. It's like, like a mob mentality. That's the issue. I, I thought of our bronze age discussion when I was reading this and I, th I thought of that scene in particular, like how quickly the people turn on him. And in that bronze, yeah. in the cryptid, I never more like they're, they're heckling him. It's like this, this is your champion, like how much he's done for you. Yeah. And, and they're so quick. So, you know, that sadly felt very, very true to life, but you know, you feel for Superman. I mean, I, I guess, what is your take on him staying true to his ideals and A, not killing the Joker and B, trying to bring Magog to justice for killing the Joker? Oh, goodness. It's really, really hard. Um, of course, I'm going to be on the side of Superman. That's, that's, that's how I roll. That's how we've both been a fan for this long because I feel if Superman goes over the line it, it's hard to believe in hope it's hard to believe in what he stands for so while of course i'm gonna i'm gonna be really like yeah like i'm on the side of his ideals we're also realists and and a side of us goes but maybe and and, and you see what's going on and you see you see the constant disappointment of more innocent people getting killed um but again, I, I think he he is proving that, listen, we still, if, if we don't follow truth and justice, more things are going to go wrong than you realize. If we go down this path of we just start offing people, who becomes the judge? Who be, and, and like, 
do the judges and the executioners become the very same people? Like that mob mentality that's mad at Superman. What if they suddenly have the kind of power that it has to make the decision to kill people? That's why we have a justice system in place. And Superman is on the side of justice and not, not right versus wrong, but protecting the ideals of the sanctity of life and not allowing anybody to willy-nilly decide who's important and who's not important. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. One thing that I said this to you off mic, I, I wanted to bring in one thing from Thy Kingdom Come, the Justice yeah. Society story, because it factors in here specifically. Within that Thy Kingdom Come storyline, Alex Ross wrote and and painted a, a, a special that focused squarely on the Kingdom Come Superman. And yeah. there is a very poignant scene between the Superman of Kingdom Come and our Lois Lane. And she's able to get him to unburden himself. She says it's always been, you know, the, the lowest lanes of the universe, you know, uh, are, are here to listen and, and carry the burden for the, the Superman, the Superman of the universe. Very nice scene. But he, he describes how he lost his Lois. And we see the scene unfold. And, and so this, this, this adds some layers to what's given to us in Kingdom Come, right? We actually right. go into that moment in, in that Thy Kingdom Come special. And when he finds Lois, she's still breathing. She hasn't fully succumbed to her, to her injuries yet. And in their final exchange, Clark says to her, like, I'm, I'm going to find, like, I'm going to find the Joker. I'm going to make him pay. I'm going to hurt him. And she says, no, like, don't give in to that. Don't lose yeah. Clark. And right. he doesn't understand what that means yet. He will yeah. when it's over, but he doesn't understand it yet. But I thought I'm, I'm split on this. Yeah. I'll be honest with you because on the one hand, there's something very pure and noble and very aspirational that even in the face of the most insurmountable, horrific personal loss, and it's not yeah. just Lois, it's all of his friends, but specifically Correct. Lois, that he still holds true to his ideal. Like you read Kingdom Come and that's the yeah. way it plays. And it's like, oh, wow, you get this. I don't want to go so far as to call it a retcon. But like you get this added information and yeah. it's like, oh, he, he was going yeah. to give in to anger and it was Lois this promise to Lois that that kept that at bay I, I, there's stuff that I like about both I'm so torn where, where do you land on this <laughs> well well it's kind of cool because again that's the now now you ask the question did Tom Taylor read that special and go all right here's an Elseworlds what if Clark ignored Lois and that's and you get injustice, and that's what happens. Um, it's interesting because you know we talk about our our reread books and our reread series. The other series that I read probably every again maybe five to seven years um, is the entire Warren Ellis and Mark Millar War uh, Stormwatch through the Authority. I read all the way through that because it's a very very interesting approach to government's failings, superheroes failings and all these kind of things. So, I am a I am no stranger to the other side where heroes they don't it's not about going off the rails, it's about them going we've let you try this for 50 years. It didn't work. We're doing it our way now. And and if you don't like it, try to stop us. Um and you start to see this it's it's not it's weird. It's not an anti-hero. They're still heroes because they're still doing incredible things for the world but there's a point where they go nope 
you're done. And they just take you off the board. And that's scary as all get out, really. And I, I always saw the authority books as a superhero slash horror book. Like, what if? And that's why Mark Wade, funny story, though, if you haven't yet read out there, Mark Wade's Irredeemable, you need to look into that, too. There, there's some other sides of this that you see in Irredeemable where devastating loss turns turns that superhero, the Plutonian, into what we're talking about. And he goes the other way. Gotcha. I did read the beginning of Irredeemable. I, I really liked it and I always meant to finish it and I never yeah. did, but I, I will get there at some it's point. worth it. But yeah, yeah I, I am sort of split on whether staying true to his ideals is just an automatic inherent right. part of who he is or if it's yeah. because of this promise that he made to Lois. There's something, you know, when we talk about solemn vows where we get into Batman territory, but... Right. There's something about that that is very pure and very powerful, and I can get behind this idea. And look, I mean, I've talked about this on the show. I don't need to we get into this again. We even talked about it last week when we were talking about how he lets Lex's goons die in yeah. Superman Returns when he's lifting yep. the thing. You know, this whole idea that Superman never kills under any circumstance, I don't subscribe to that because no. I, you know, I don't think that is really realistic. And I think that. And Mark Wade would disagree, but I feel like, and I've said this before that, you know, in moments where he's able to find another way, it's like the writers gave him another way. It's like if you put him in a position where there's not, I do genuinely believe he would, he wouldn't be willing to make that choice. Not, not happily, not easily, not frequently, but he would be willing to do what he needs to. Now, of course, this is a little bit different because this isn't in the heat of the moment, right? When he finds the Joker whether it's right. in this story or in justice. I mean, this is really a retaliatory, hey, you've done too much. You keep getting out. I have to put an end to this. It's different than like in Man of Steel where it's like truly a heat of the moment, Zod or the lives of this family, different right. circumstance, but still that same sort of idea. But anyway, I say all of this to say that I'm not I'm not firmly in this camp of like, oh, he can never kill under any circumstance. Um, but again, it's just as far as the reason for why yeah. He doesn't kill the Joker. And and it's not, you know, it's interesting too, because it's not even that he doesn't kill the Joker. It's like he tries to bring Magog to justice for killing yeah. the Joker. It's like, right. you know, this is so counter to, to, to who Superman is and what his ideals are. But now, the thing is too, like, I, I feel that I can rightfully say that I'd be on his side because we know his backstory. It's not just Superman. Like you said, we got Superman Lois Lane makes Superman who he is. And like you've said, Mon Pa Kent makes Superman who he is. So it's not just him out in the universe. The Clark Kent as a son and the Clark Kent as a husband, that completes a Superman package. I think without him thinking through that stuff or getting that advice or hearing those voices dead or alive, that again, like we, I was saying earlier, it's a slippery slope. Like, you know, they they oh, they always say that you, you you do one crime, it's it's easy to commit the second one. So you kill one person, it's easy to kill again. And that's and that's been a, a quote in superhero stories for decades and decades that it's very easy to fall down a dark path if you're not careful. Right. So I I, I don't know. I, I I see both sides really easily, and I love reading about that elseworld side of things. But I'm always going to go with. Uh, he knows the rule book and, and he's got the voices in his head from good hearted people. Yeah. I mean, as we're talking this through, 
I, I think I'm landing on the side of I could have done without that flashback showing that promise to Lois. I yeah. think that probably takes away a little bit more than it adds. It messed it, it messes you up, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. Well, now here's my other question for with Kingdom Come. What you know, what's the greater sin? Like, would it, you know, he he won't kill Joker. He tries to bring Magog to justice, like doing quote unquote the right thing, right? Yeah. But then, then he leaves, and well, his uh, his contemporaries follow him, and this new breed of superheroes they run amok, and it results in this atomic detonation in Kansas. Right. And so, what you know, what what's the greater what is the greater sin here? Yeah, like did. Well, and that's, of course, you're, you're playing that it's not the butterfly effect, but you look at like cause and effect that did him walking away cause that if he stayed, if he fought, if he said, no, I don't care that you're all on Magog's side. I'm on the side of justice. He needs to be brought in and atone for the sin that he just committed. We might not have had him tearing a hole in Captain Adam and blowing up half of Kansas and killing all those people. So. I mean, I hate to say this, but like, yeah. So is it possible that Superman is the cause of those deaths? And like you said, Superman doesn't kill, but inadvertently, sometimes he does. Right. There, right. there are, there are, just because you didn't kill him yourself doesn't mean a choice that you made didn't end up killing someone else. Right. Well, it's now, tough. Yeah. But so now I'm enjoy I can't tell. I'm really enjoying this. I, I, I help, I help the audiences too. Yeah. I, I, you might be, you might've turned us off at this point, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, this kingdom come has been analyzed and discussed so much mm -hmm. that, you know, sort of going page by page, to this thing, I, I, I don't think would really be the path forward. I think, you know, these questions oh, no. that try to get at the heart of this character in particular, I think that's where it's you know most interesting for us and hopefully for the audience. Um, but that sort of leads to the, the, the other big thing that I, one of the other big things I really appreciated about Kingdom Come, which is first there's this inaction. He's mm -hmm. gone for 10 years. He's, <laughs> oh, I, know you're, he's, I know what you're doing. He's seemingly okay. off on the farm. Yeah. Right. The, it turns out it's the fortress. That was an interesting thing, right? He's given up both identities, right? He's really just Cal, I guess, at this point. But it's, in in the 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 home the physical space literally that was provided by his his kryptonian heritage but made to resemble the 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 home of his upbringing yeah. so you know yeah. you still see that blend of you know you can't totally turn your back it's you know i always have to make a smallville connection but at there the start go. of uh, season 9 of smallville where clark had really turned his back on humanity after the whole doomsday affair and he's right. wearing the black trench coat and he's training with jorel and he's fighting crime but he still goes back to the farm to feed the dog you know, there's always that, yeah. there's always that piece that's still there, that pull. But when he finally does emerge, when Diana shows him, you know, you know, clues him in on what's happened and he watches the news reports and he's like, I knew this would happen. And, and he makes the decision to come back. I thought the story did a really nice job of showing how hard it would be for Superman to really exert his will upon the people in right. the way that he doesn't, you know, we did a, I did a whole episode last year. If anyone hasn't checked it out on the, the morality and ethical duty of Superman. And we talked about the Alex Ross, Paul Dini, um, peace on earth where he tries to solve yeah. world hunger. We talked about Superman four, the quest for peace where he tries to rid the world of nuclear weapons. Like, you know, how far should Superman go? And, right. but I think some of these stories like peace on earth, definitely kingdom come, definitely the, um, 
from the end towards the end of the triangle era, the king of the world storyline. Yes. I, all of those stories, I think did a really nice job of showing that, okay, it's one thing, should he do this? But there's also the, the practical side of what it would take to actually maintain this. Like it's easier said than done. And you see that play out here. It's like when he tries, it's not enough for him to just show up and show a better way. There are those who do not fall in line. And then it's, well, then what do you do with them? Well, right. we got to contain them. How? Well, we'll build a supermax prison <laughs> in the remains of Kansas. And that, you know, and that, you know, escalates things. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. In my reread, I'm thinking through all these things. And, you know, as listeners, I hope you go back and read this and take some of the little seeds that we're planting, like philosophically, ethically, morally, or even just honestly, good versus evil and inaction versus action and, and find them in here. Because I think you'd be pleasantly surprised that you will ask yourself interesting questions. But it is bananas to me that Superman goes... Well, well, let's just put them all in a prison, and then and I'm sure it'll be okay. And, and I mean, I, 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 let's see, who does he talk to? Orion. He goes to Apocalypse to try to see if he'll help, and he's like, "Well, I got my own problems here. I thought it'd be easy once I took care of Dark, Dark Side. My dad, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was, which is a really interesting contrast to what Superman's even asking him to do. And he goes, "But I can give you like my most." you know, my, my wisest prison, my blueprint maker. So that part is crazy to me where it's, how did Superman not go? This is going to be a mess. If we, it's like you put a powder keg inside a powder keg, like what's going to happen? Well, I, th but I think that's, I mean, I agree, but like, I think that's the, the beauty of this story where he goes from inaction to, yeah, to too, too much, much action. action. Like he overshoots the mark. He overcorrects. <laughs> yes. yeah. But it's so, but you know, I guess that goes to show that maybe the path, the true path and the way really is, I guess, well, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say leading by example, <laughs> but I feel like that's, but I feel like that's too easy because I guess that's what he was doing. And just to kind of tie this back to what we were saying, you know, this question that I posed of, you know, was it, was it the greater sin to leave? Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you could make the argument, I don't know what, would he have done had he stayed? I mean, it seemed like he was losing the people, the masses. Right. So, I mean, look, you can play what if, and maybe if he had stayed, you know, maybe he could have gotten through to people, but you could argue that that was such a clear break and a clear line in the sand that if he had stayed, maybe we would have just gotten a battle between him and Magog, or, you know, uh, sooner. Right. Which you actually, in the Superman continuity that happens also too, in the name of Gog, that whole storyline too. Um, you mean the, the Chuck Austin thing from Action Comics? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're probably not going to talk about that in either. Of these not, episodes. Don't talk about. Don't talk about those. <laughs> oh, they try. They tried really hard. That was a. Let's see if we can get people to buy comics. <laughs> um, I guess the idea of the prison to me. I don't know. I go back. I'm, I'm going back and forth on the pot. I'm creating dead air, which is really, really bad, Anthony. No, but, listen. While you gather your thoughts, I just want to yeah. just to piggyback off of what you were saying about Orion. I love that Orion scene, and it's so amazing because like Orion thinks that Superman wants to ship everyone off to apocalypse. No, yeah, and he's like, I got my own problems here. I don't need your people. Yeah, yeah. and Superman's pretty harsh. Superman, I forget exactly what he says to Orion, but he's basically like, "You suck." Like, <laughs> yes, yes. 
Like he insults him. Like, I thought you were better than this or stronger, stronger than this to deal with this. I know you would have um, thought that maybe Superman would have had a little bit of empathy like, for, yeah. I, I don't know. That was kind of funny, but yeah, very, very interesting. So yeah. what? So as far as Superman creating this prison, which of course is well, modeled after the Legion of Doom headquarters, you got to love that. Hilarious. It's just hilarious. Yeah. There's so many great little Easter eggs, which I got to tell you about the farm. Don't, don't let me forget to talk to you about the farm. Uh, aspect too that's an alex ross easter egg which is amazing um but so let's say superman stays so would he be able to convince the masses this is the right way to go after this pattern of behavior like would he really like that's what i keep asking myself did, did he need to go i i'm thinking back to the the bronze age story must there be a superman where the guardians uh step in from oa and basically they're, they're, they're basically saying, if you keep doing this stuff for them, they're not going to learn on their own. So should you really be there? So we kind of see Superman again, Alex, Alex Ross has a huge affinity for the silver age and bronze age. And you see it throughout this, not just Easter eggs, but literally woven into what he's talking about. And I really think that that was him and Mark going, yeah, he needs to step away. This is, this is, he needs to let people see what happens when, when their best people say, okay, I'm out. And, and don't forget all of the other heroes dealt with stuff too. When Superman left, they all had issues happen to them. Batman's body failed him. Wonder Woman's people denied her. Um, Aquaman, hides and goes back and just takes care of Atlantis, which is an amazing line, by the way, that that Aquaman said that we have to go over. Um, but then when Superman comes back, they all come back. So that move is, is an impetus. It's, it's, they're all going, yeah, we're dealing with the same kind of stuff. I think we all need to just bow out for a while and let them deal with this garbage on their own. And then they get this new era of heroes and suddenly they're really unhappy. Right. And they don't know what to do. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I think he does, he does have to leave because for the people to welcome him back, <laughs> they have to see how bad it can get. Yes. And it's like, if he had stayed, maybe it wouldn't have gotten quite so bad, or maybe it would have taken a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. But I think you, you his absence, you know, accelerated all of that and created this situation where they really needed his return. Right. So, and it's not really fair that we say that Superman caused the Kansas disaster, but I, I think it's a no one situation. Like there is no, there was no good call. If he stays, there's a problem. If he leaves, there's a problem. So that's the other thing he was dealing with is no matter what I do, I feel like I'm losing. So what do I do here? Yeah. No, absolutely. But yeah, like I said, there's this whole idea of if he, you know, if he does exert his will to this extent, impose his will, like there's a standard of heroism that he subscribes to that he feels this new breed of heroes does not. And he's going to show them right. the way. And a lot of them fall in line, but a lot don't. And so then it becomes this question of what do you do with them? And, and like I said, some of those other stories that I cited like this, you know, show the practical side of all of this, you know, peace on earth is, is a wonderful example where he yeah. decides to try to cure world hunger. And there are parts of the world that refuse to accept the food. They kill their people yeah, rather than accept the food. So it's like, well, what, well, what do you do in that situation? It's like, not everyone is always going to welcome the help, even if they should, no. um, or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
again, that king of the world storyline, that was a little different because he was being mind controlled. So he wasn't really himself, but right. you know, he was still ultimately trying to do good. He was taking it too far, but you know, he ended up needing to create this whole uh, you know army of robots to, to patrol and, and maintain yeah. this, this piece that he had imposed on people. Right. So yeah. But as far as, you know, whether a prison was the right solution. Well, yeah. And then you've got the hologram of Superman inside the prison, like teaching. Like the criminal's like, no, 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 don't forget. This is how this should be. You need to change your behavior. And I mean, they're basically like just like throwing food at the hologram. It's like, no, don't listen to this guy. Um, there's a lot of cool nuggets inside the gulag too. Like why Captain Comet was the hero that that they chose to use to protect the gulag. And there's a lot of neat stuff that we can get into at, at, towards the end as like last little fun facts that we can talk about. Okay, right on. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I know I'm kind of jumping to the end here, but you know, it culminates in this big battle. We have this prison break that yeah. uh, you know, Luther. We haven't talked about Luther yet, but he has this whole you know, mankind uh, liberation uh, front. front. Yeah, and you know, so he facilitates. But we have this prison break and this big battle, you know, between the heroes and like we said, the world leaders send this. Uh, you know, a nuclear bomb to, to, you know, take them all out. And Superman and the Spectre and Norman McKay, they're all faced with this, this choice, right? Yeah. And I thought this, it gets really interesting here because if they let the bomb drop, it will wipe out the superhuman population and humanity can move on, move forward. If they stop the bomb and they save the lives of the superhumans, eventually this superhuman war will wipe out humanity. Right. So it's this this choice here between, and it's painted very clearly as this choice between superhumans and humans. And do you know what it called to mind to me? It made me think of All Star Superman. Oh, when yeah. when Superman is is faced with the the riddle of what happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. <laughs> And he has to solve it. And he does. And he says, they surrender. Yeah. And it, it and ultimately the 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 way through here was this realization that there isn't this divide between superhumans and humans. We're we're all people. Right. Uh, which I thought was a very, you know, beautiful notion. That, you know, the, the practicalities of it aside, I mean, clearly there are some issues here, but well, yeah. I, but I but I really I really did appreciate that. And like I said, it really it did make me think of that that All Star Superman and and this seemingly unsolvable question. Um, how how did you feel about the way that that played out? Well, it was interesting because that and that happens kind of right before he's dealing with Billy, right? Right before he's dealing with Shazam. It's well, I think they start right there fighting and then they yeah. see the bomb. Yeah. They see the bomb and it's it's when he finally snaps Captain Marvel out of it. And Captain Marvel realizes that he he needs to be the one that does this. Like he needs to take and he needs to figure out a way to stop this where everybody can find peace. But the sad thing is it's it's not enough. It's not in time. The, the realization is not in time. The thing that Alex Ross does so well, he shows, because of how he paints the human face, he shows expressions so much differently than we even can see, I think, in comic book form. So you see on Wonder Woman and Batman's face, 
in the clouds as that and they as they see the bombs coming and dropping you see it on superman's face you even see it on captain marvel's face that we don't know if we can make this stop so they know what has to be done but ultimately there's this realization you see on their face in the artwork that i don't know if this is going to happen and 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 that that look of pain where superman is kneeling in the ashes and dust and skeletons of every superhuman only to thankfully be surprised that green lantern was able to save just some i think it's maybe only like eight to ten i feel like it wasn't even that many he's i forget the exact numbers but yeah green lantern saved some but also you know billy while he wasn't able to stop the detonation was able to to get it to go off higher High than, it, than, in, than intended and that was able right. to spare some lives too the you know the superman versus captain marvel battle is is a classic epic yeah. one you know marvel using his lightning against superman and then superman yeah. you know finally <laughs> getting the upper hand pulling him in yeah like figuring it out yeah. you know very cool and you know we've seen them uh throw down in a similar way in justice league unlimited in the the yep. clash episode which is a classic That's great oh so good i guess one thing that i'm sort of undecided on i, I got to get your take on this is mm-hmm. When the bomb is falling, right? And we have this ethical dilemma here of right. <laughs> who do we, who do, do, we do? who do we choose, right? Yeah. What did you make of Superman ultimately like passing it off to Billy, right? Because what he says is like, I'm going to stop this. You can stop me. Yeah. Or you can let me stop. So it's like he is making a choice. But I yeah. feel like he's, I, I was kind of like mixed on this. It, well, it was this weird thing where it was like, he wasn't being inactive like in the past, right? He's made a choice here, but I feel like he's passing off the moral obligation or dilemma to Captain Marvel. What was your feeling a, about that? But there was a line. There was something he said. I'm going to look in the book really fast. Um, there's a line that he says, though, Anthony, that was very interesting because... He asks the way he says it. There's a reason he gives him the choice. He says, listen to me, Billy, listen harder than you ever have before. He said, here it is. What I don't know is whether I should be allowed to. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yep. And that decision is not for me to make. I'm not a God. I'm not a man, but you, Billy, you're both. That's right. And that line is the reason he wanted Billy to choose. Billy has lived as both. Like, Superman's not a man. Like, even if he acts like one, even if he's raised by one, he is, he's basically a god. He's an alien god. But that's why he says, like, more than anyone who ever existed, you know what it's like to live in both worlds. Only you can weigh their worth equally, which is very interesting. All right. That's a good catch. I'm glad you reminded yeah. me of that. And, you know, you do you have Norman because Spectre tries to have Norman McKay right. decide. And Norman's like, no. well, I'm a man. I can't decide Dude, this. Yeah. And then Superman is like, I'm a, you know, I'm not a man. I can't decide this year. So, okay. So there's a reason for why he, he, you know what it is? I think the reason why, like I blocked that out. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm bothered, but oh, well, oh crap. Bernie proved me wrong. (laughs) No, no, no. No, I I think it's that I, I don't, this notion of like, I, of Superman saying I'm not a man to me. I mean, I get it. I I, I get it, but it's not, I, I guess it's not the way I see the character so i'm like eh, 
I don't, I don't know. I feel like you, you were raised as a man and you have the humanity that you would be capable of right. worthy of making this decision. I think that's, I think that's what it was. When I say like, I think I blocked it out. I think it was because I didn't really love that, that, yeah. that angle or that take on it. But well, uh, we just talked about it. We talked about that. What makes Superman Superman is character is, is the humanity side of what raised him and who loves him. But I think he's literally saying like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. I can't make this decision. I've tried to make this decision. Yeah. I think that's where he's coming from that. I've tried to make this decision. Clearly I can't do it. You lived in both figure it out. I like, and that I think resonates more with me. This idea of, you know, I've made the, I've made these two critical yeah. decisions first to step away and then to come back and to, you know, impose my will Right. And both have had disastrous consequences. But but I do st- I really do like that he it's not like he just bows out. No, like, he goes I, at the bomb. Well, and, yeah. and that I think ultimately gets right at the at the, the heart of the character where in yeah. the moment he's going to choose life. And in the yeah. moment yep. there's a bomb coming their way. And it's like, yeah, if he if he stops it, it's possible, likely even, that this battle will rage on and humans will die. But that's a hypothetical that's not in the moment. And well, another Smallville comparison. You'll love it. So <laughs> I think, you know, that made me think too of of the two hundredth episode of Smallville. Oh yeah. When he was visited by Brainiac Five and he's given this this tour through his past, present, and future. And you know, Brainiac says to him, you know, the, the sort of the, the moral of that episode was a hero is made in the moment, not yeah. by regretting the past or fearing what's to come. It's in the moment. And yeah. that's what he does. And uh, so I, I really I did. I did like that. And uh, but I do thank you for reminding me of the, the bit with Captain Marvel, because, yeah, that does certainly it's, answer a lot. It's a great it's a great take, because if Superman goes at it. Like, that's what he does. He said, like you said, I'm going to, I have to have some sort of action. I have to now do something. You're either going to stop me or let me do it. And I love that they figured out a third choice because Marvel doesn't stop him and let the bomb drop. He doesn't let him go and let him stop the bomb. He takes the fault. Now, don't forget, too, we talked at the very beginning of this episode. Where do we see faith show up? Redemption. Billy has been under mind control of Luther and is probably now in this regretful pain of what has he been doing over this time that he's been under Luther's thumb. This is his way of saying, I'll take it. Like, let me do it for you. Um, I, I need I need redemption to know that I was a hero again kind of deal. I love that like they go, nope. We got a third choice. It's not one of those two you thought it would be. It's, it's just it's just great writing. Yeah, no, I, I I dig that a lot too. And and then you know from there we we do go to this uh, you know Superman's rampage, uh, you know yeah. against the world leaders and, and getting talked down and the eyes. I love the eyes. The way he draws the eyes are so bright red. Yeah, those red eyes. When you see those those eyes get red, you're, you know you're done. <laughs> yeah, and then ultimately, well, speaking of his eyes. You know, Diana gives him the pair of glasses to help him yeah. see a little, a little clearer, and right. you know he rediscovers the Clark Kent part of himself, and you know clearly, you know closes a, a loop there and brings us full circle, and you know he embarks on a relationship with her, well, yeah. which um, you know is interesting. The although Superman Wonder Woman pairing, you know, this is definitely one of the the biggest, most classic 
examples of it. I know obviously the new 52 played around with that for a bit and, right. and, you know, and, you know, prior to Lois and Clark getting together in, in the modern comics that, you know, they, they toyed with it here and there, but um, you know, certainly in the context of this story, um, you know, I think it works and, and it's not just the two of them, right? It's, it's, yes, their romantic relationship, but also this, the, the reforging of the Trinity and bringing yeah. Bruce back into the fold. That um, there's an anecdote in the back of this version I'm reading that, Mark Wade was so excited because they finished the fourth, they, they almost finished the fourth book. And that one year later epilogue is that last thing. And he said it was a really cool moment because they were working and Alex Ross showed like walks into the room and just kind of lightly tosses this paper in front of Mark. And it's the three of them sitting down having coffee. And, and Mark just, he was elate. He was elated. Like, this is incredible. Um, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful shot. Like, there's joy. There's some, There's a little tidbit that we don't really see a lot. And we don't see it in, since possibly even Golden Age Batman. Batman smiles a lot in this book, if you look back at the art. Batman rarely smiles ever. Even if it's a, a smirk, maybe. But there's some legitimate joy, and it, especially in that epilogue, it's very neat to see that they not only come back together, but there's legitimate happiness for each other and for them. It's cool. Yeah, it was it was nice to see. I, I really want to get into Brandon Routh in Crisis, but what what were some of those other fun facts or tidbits that you had about Kingdom Come? Okay, so few few quick lines for the random fun things for you and the listener that you'll enjoy. Um, one of the great lines that Aquaman says so. They're going down to ask for help. We need your help. Can you? Can we send some people down to Atlantis? They like they're they're pawn, they're looking to pawn these guys off on anybody. They want to go to Apocalypse. They want to go to Atlantis. Aquaman says, "You have hundreds of champions to defend a few land masses. I protect the other seventy percent of the world." And I'm like, "He's got some balls, man. That's pretty awesome." He's like, "Just so we're clear, this is how the world works." I do all of this and you can't even figure out how to run that 30% of land up top. That was one thing that I just, I thought Aquaman's awesome. Like people give him shit way too much, but he says it does great stuff. Um, Okay. Captain Comet. Did you know who Captain Comet was before this book? Just very, very generally. Okay. This is another Alex Ross uh, Easter egg. Alex Ross has a super affinity for the very early Fawcett comics way back in the day. Captain Comet was one of that pantheon. There was a pair of uh, villains in this too. The bullet head you saw that like there's bullet head and then Mrs. Bullet head. These are characters from Fawcett comics before they were bought out and changed. But he, he just thought there was something he wanted to throw in that was personal. And he wanted to have Captain Comet come back because again, it was everybody was in this book. Okay, so if you didn't know who that is, look him up. It's an interesting character. Um, all right, this is really random. So it's so hard to find, but especially now that Super Pets is coming out, the movie is coming out, and and I've got an affinity of that because Art and Franco love doing all the pets. They have a whole line of plush animals and all this kind of stuff. When you go to the farm scene and Diana's talking to, to Superman, in the background you can find every one of the original super pets over the course of the 
silver age into bronze age and there's even this really tiny uh monkey there's beppo (laughs) the super monkey in there and it is the weirdest little tidbit that i was like wait a second i'm kind of going and then i look it up and sure enough there's all the super pets that are that are there so again it's silly to me but i thought it's funny (laughs) no it's cool you know it's one of those things where you know, I, I, so I read this over two sittings because yeah. there's a lot there. And I said, ah, I, you know, I had the time. I was like, all right, let me, let me sort of break it up a little bit. But yeah. it's like, I, even within that, I knew, and I know now, I know there's so much stuff that I, 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 yeah. I missed in the art. So I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about it. And that lends itself to, to those revisitations. Cause there's so much there, so much oh. detail, so many Easter eggs. You know, the last thing I think we should really talk about too, is there, there's there's always the ultimate question of why was a book written like why like why do they choose to now elseworlds obviously was that was in itself a big dc thing um we we made this big push in like crisis on infinite earths and nope there's one earth but then that kind of screwed over dc of telling fun stories that are not in continuity so elseworlds was huge um mark makes a statement in this in this book that in the early 90s, like so when Image was formed eventually, um, there was this kind of big sense of the anti-hero. There was a lot of um, rebellion happening in comics. There was kind of a pull away from the golden age of heroes. Um, and they actually wanted to call Kingdom Come the heroic age. But then they were worried, again, like they would step on James Robinson's book. But they they felt they both felt that they really needed something to kind of contradict that that early very raw fight the power vibe of 90s early comics and they went let's 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 do this and try to incorporate that into this story but then bring this idea of what does truth and justice really look like and there's a line in kingdom come too like you need to teach them what justice looks like and what it means but so Again, that's that's a great. We always want to think about like why was this book written when it was written too. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the I guess it's funny. I was gonna say the more modern. I mean, it is more modern, but it's still for twenty years old now. But Action yeah. Seven Seventy Five. Whatever happened? Or what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way? And yeah, you know, similar type of story that you know positions Superman against these authority like figures with more extreme measures. And right, it's you know within the context of the story, it you know really poses this you know fundamental. Uh, conflict right between the, these types of characters but in the more meta sense or publishing sense it's you know are are these characters our characters and their brand of heroism still relevant you know especially when compared to what's maybe arguably more pa- more popular at that moment in time right. but you know so you get stories like this that remind the characters within the story but also remind the audience why these characters have endured as long as they have yeah so yeah. Um, last fun tidbit that I think is always goofy and you see it done in different ways. I mean, you, we're both, we both appreciate Batman too. There's a, there's a great scene in the Batcave um, when, uh, so old Batman's in there, he's talking with Superman and, and he's saying something. And before he can even finish the statement, Superman's gone. And then uh, Bruce goes, Oh, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> and, I, and there's little things like that that I love. People like Mark Wade. Mark Wade knows a dumb amount 
of things about the DC universe. He he is a go-to like trivia person. Even facts that cannot be always found easily on the internet or in books. But I always love when you got somebody who just knows their poop and just knows these characters in and out. Does such a great job of of turning it and going, oh, all right. So that's how that feels like. It's just fun. Yeah, I you know I love I love that scene and or is it I don't know if it's that one or the later one when you know Superman goes to ask for help. Yeah, and Bruce refuses. He does give him the tip about Captain Marvel and Luther, but yeah, you know he he, he doesn't help him, and yeah, of course then he will you know join the battle later on, but. Uh, yeah, you know, when we talk about the future of the DC universe and possible futures, it's really not good for Batman no, and Superman. They don't look good. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, it was it was so great to revisit the Kingdom Come comic, yeah. and it also, you know, I obviously had seen Crisis on Infinite Earths right uh, when it aired in 2019 and, and 2020, and again was familiar enough with Kingdom Come that I I got what yeah. they were doing there, but. You know, now rewatching those crisis scenes in the context of Kingdom Come and our recent Donnerverse event got so much yes. more out of it. So, you know, for anyone not familiar, Brandon Routh went on to star as Ray Palmer, the Adam uh, within the Arrowverse series. Uh, he was on Arrow and, and, you know, primarily Legends of Tomorrow. And well done. He, he really does a good job. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you it's like clearly he's he's carved out a path for himself. He's continued to have a career, but you know it's like your heart goes out to him to to an extent, right? He was Superman on the big screen, and then he ends up playing a C or D list, you know, DC yeah. hero, uh, you know, on a relatively low budget CW show. Nothing wrong with right. that, but you you certainly get the sense. I'm sure he had a different career in mind when yeah. he got the role of Superman, but he made the and most of what he got. Oh my goodness. And he was, and that's not even his own fault. He was told that by WB execs saying, this is going to be a three picture deal. You're going to be Superman. We're putting our chips in your corner. And that's just, that's a hard thing to do to any actor, let alone somebody doing a character of this magnitude, but he does, they take care of him in this storyline, which I think you're going to segue into. They really do. That's the thing. I mean, even, even, even separate from the specifics of the story, and I think they really did right by him, but the fact that he had the opportunity to suit up again as any version of Superman yep. was, was really cool. And you know, I don't, you're, you're actually going to be meeting him at a, at a comic convention I, very in shortly. Than, in less than 48 hours, I'll be, uh, I'll be having my arm around him, taking a picture with him. So. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've never met the man. I've only, you know, read and watched interviews with him, but he seems like, uh, like a, like a good guy, as much as you can tell from, yeah. from interviews, yeah, but exactly. you know, he seems like a good guy. It seems like someone who does, yes, there was the career aspect, but also seems like he cares about the character and being a custodian of the character. And so, yeah. you know, when they announced that he was going to have the opportunity to suit up again, I, I was very happy. And this was even before you and I rewatched Superman Returns and had the discussion yeah. we did and, and found even more appreciation for it. But even that aside, it's like I always liked him and what he had done in the movie, yeah. uh, even if my opinion of the movie, ha you know, wasn't wasn't what it is now, because I did come around on it in in a, in a lot of ways. But I was just so happy for him that he got to do it. I remember like, he would, would post his uh, workout videos, like he was, you know, getting back in oh, shape yeah. to play Superman. And and you know, and then when it turns out that it's not just any Superman, but it's you know, it's his. And I guess this is maybe somewhat of a question, although I don't think really. But he is, for all intents and purposes, playing the Superman he played 
in Superman Returns. He references Correct. having a son named Jason. We get some of the iconic musical cues. The aesthetic yep. of the Daily Planet is reminiscent of what we got in Superman Returns. The final time we see him in Crisis, he's flying in outer space, smiling at the camera, just like all the Donner movies. So right. I, th I think it's very fair to say that's the version of the character he's playing. But it's not just that version. He's in the Kingdom Come costume with many elements from the Kingdom Come storyline woven in with the Donner vs. Superman. So it's, again, it's not totally Donner. It's not totally Kingdom Come. It's a very right. interesting blend. What do you think? Well, and, and I'm going to ask you this question, Mike. My question was, as I was watching it, I was so happy. Same, same as you. I feel he was finally getting to put a period at the end of a sentence and not this dot, 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 oh, kind of sad end. Um, my question is, where does this take place? So we definitely know that we see all of the, the plaques on the wall. We know this is, you know, post um, Lois dying. Everybody's dying. He's paying honor to them. And then he tells the story in the episode that we see in Kingdom Come about the Joker and, and that kind of stuff too. So my question is, is this after he's come back? Is this is this the is this at the is this the one year later mark? Like so are we are we in the middle of the year? So have we finished Kingdom Come? This happens, and then he and then he has a baby with Wonder Woman, or is like where where are we at in the story? That was my question as I was watching it. Oh, interesting. So I guess it's open to interpretation. I guess right. I wasn't how do I put this? I, I certainly took it that what we saw in Superman Returns was in continuity, but I didn't necessarily take Kingdom it Come. that all of Kingdom Come. And that's actually, but I was going to ask you, <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> I, I think this is sort of an interesting thing here because when uh, the Arrowverse, Clark and Lois and Iris show right. up at the Daily Planet on his earth. And they, so Clark is the editor in chief of the Daily Planet. Uh, like you said, we see this plaque of, of all of his fallen friends, including yeah. Lois. And he talks about the reject from Gotham presumably the Joker who was who gassed the building and, and killed right. them all. And in a subsequent scene, he references having a son named Jason, who of course was established in Superman returns. But yeah, you don't know exactly how many more of the elements from kingdom come right. were actually at play there. And that was actually one of the things that I was wondering. I was like, did he have that? Did he give up for, for right. any period of time? We, and we don't know. I mean, they don't give you enough. So I guess it's really, you can fill in the blanks in your head. Well, and he's, and he's clearly wearing the black, the black and red mm -hmm. S. So he's, and I think he even says it in the episode, he's wearing, he, he changed his S to honor them. Right. But so I guess you could, you, you could say that they've just retconned and not used kingdom come per se but a piece of this to make, I guess, again, like a period on the end of the sentence. So we could see, okay, what, so what happened to that Superman? And it made sense for this story to use a piece of kingdom come, but maybe not the whole thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, and I, I'm curious, it's like, why, like why use kingdom come? Is it just because the costume is cool and fans will, mm -hmm. will respond to it? Is it that they knew they weren't going to have access to the rest of the cast. So this was an easy way to be like, well, they all died. And well, oh, there's right. a comic book story where they all die. And that was an easy right. tie-in. 
there's probably my favorite scene, and I think a lot of people would, would probably agree with this, of him as Kingdom Come Superman is when he shows up on the Wave Rider and he has that interaction with our Arrowverse Lois. And he says, when I put on this crest, I made a promise right. to never stop fighting. Now, to your point, I mean, I, I think, look, this is all open to interpretation, but I think there's yeah. a valid argument to make that there was probably, especially knowing that they're pulling from Kingdom Come, I would argue that there's some period of time where he does give up yeah. and he changes the crest. And when he puts it back on, it's that promise that he'll never stop. Like, I don't get the sense that they all died and the next day he put on the black and he's like, I feel right. like there was something in between there. Was it 10 years? I don't think so, but right. But I feel like there was something like that, right? Yeah, and maybe, maybe there's uh, an addendum to Kingdom Come where he comes back and it wasn't quite as crazy going on to make him come back. He went away, got his crap together, put the new shield back on and says, listen, I'm here. And maybe, maybe the events of kingdom come eventually come to pass later, but it's clear that this made sense. And I, and not to be weird, but they probably also, if they're going to have two supermen fighting each other, it's easier <laughs> to distinguish who's who with one with a different crest on. <laughs> yes. No, that is, <laughs> is very true. It's so funny going back this is more of a tangent, but I've talked about my love for Superman and Lois and how I've, yeah. I've so come around oh, on, yeah. on Tyler Hecklin as Superman. Oh yeah. And so it's funny though, cause I remember watching this the first time and it's like, I just was not on board really with his version of, of Clark and Superman, but the, the, his show has, has completely changed my opinion on that. So yeah. it was fun to kind of go back to, to these scenes with that in mind. I was so judgy because I, at first was like, he's not even big enough to be Superman. <laughs> I was like, he's too scrawny. This kid's this kid's not Superman. But then you start to go, oh yeah, okay, he's he's okay. He's he's good. He's good at what he's doing. Yeah, look with a with a tweak to the costume and letting the five o'clock shadow come in and giving him the right, <laughs> you know, giving him the right material. Yeah, it, it made all the difference. The show's going in the right direction. It's they're they're doing great stuff. Yeah, but as far as as Brandon Routh as as the Kingdom Come Superman, yeah. my. Again, my favorite moment is that scene on the Wave Rider in, in the next exchange with Lois where she asks him, you know, we've never gotten an explanation for why he changed the costume. Yeah. And he says, because even in the darkest times, hope cuts through. Hope is the yeah. light that lifts us out of darkness. And so I really, I loved that they articulated that about this because yeah. the costume's awesome. It's cool. But well, to have that meaning behind it, I think really adds yeah. to it. Yeah. And to just, again, have... Have a legit Superman actor say those words. That that adds a lot of weight to it's not just somebody saying that. It's he is one of the Supermen that we know of and will historically always be Superman. When we talked about Superman Returns, we discussed the fact that you know he his performance, you know, so we enjoyed his performance, but it was very much meant to emulate. And call to right. mind Christopher Reeve. Whereas here, did you feel like he was able to put more of his own stamp on it? Yeah, definitely. I think so too. And and I think again, he's supposed to look a little older, which he is. They added the gray. His hair's a little longer. It's just it's just different. I, but again, I just felt I felt it's so sad that it's a character. I felt more good for Brandon Routh. I was more like, oh yeah, buddy. I wanted to like. Give him a little fist on the chin, like you did it, man. 
<laughs> like I felt good for him. Yeah, it's look for you know the the reaction to Superman Returns. We talked about it. It was what it was. It didn't it didn't take off. It didn't launch the franchise that it was meant to, and or the movie career that he thought he was going to have. And like I said, yeah. you know, he made the most of it. But to have that opportunity to go back and you know, it wasn't just like you know they stuck him in a costume for a couple minutes and it, it was like it, they no. really did something meaningful with it. And we got to see a version of the character, this Kingdom Come version. You know, on screen and where we had it before. No, and it, you know, we were, I, I mean, I was hoping we'd get Tom Welling to have more time, and we've talked about that. <laughs> but um, I think they really did care enough to say, like, hey, let's, let's do a solid by this character, by this version of the character, by this actor. And I, again, I, I, he's great. I think he does exactly what's needed. And the wink at the end, flying around Earth, it's, it's classic. Yeah, they they really did right by him. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you don't get you know you get the scene with them in the Daily Planet, and then of course he is mind controlled by Lex and the Book of Destiny, and we get for yeah. CW standards a pretty solid aerial battle yeah. between the two yeah. Supermen. And then oh, interesting. Oh, this actually segues to the the last I guess big question that I, I wanted to pose, uh, uh, just tying this back into the Donnerverse and everything that we talked about before okay. because. Once Superman, the Brandon Routh Superman comes back to his senses, he makes a remark about, and this is actually the second time I went crazy and fought myself. So the direct reference to Superman 3. Right, 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 yeah. But I, but I guess more specifically, if if the Superman that he's playing in this movie is the Superman from Superman Returns, and I think that's a f- fair to say, and we know from our prior discussion and analysis that that is the Richard Donner Superman from the first two films. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about this as the the and i don't even want to say ultimate destination because the story continues and maybe we'll get to see that which we can talk about in a second but i mean if this is the end of it or at least a a, you know somewhat of a of a stopping point for now i mean how does this work for you as the progression of the donnerverse superman um For that character, I, I, I don't, I never want to say this. Like, I never want to add loss to someone's story. But I feel that him going through the route that he had to lose Lois and all of that, that adds a lot more depth to that version of Superman. That the early Superman is an origin story, some familiar villains from the comics, but a lot of camp. Um, the Superman Returns character, and then into now this, this finish, it offers more weight, I think, a little bit more depth to the character. And so I'm okay with that. I think, again, he gets a chance to redeem, you know, the the rest of the story. So that's, again, it's kind of the theme for the night, I feel like. Uh, there's a redemption of the actor. There's a redemption of the character. Um, and ultimately, let's that we i i like that we don't we know that it's a happy ending but there's other things coming so who knows if we'll see Brandon Ralph pop up on Superman and Lois yeah that i don't know i would i would be kind of surprised about that but i know their fans were certainly campaigning for a, you know an HBO Max style series for for his version and when he was on Rosenbaum's podcast not too long ago I th- he even said something like he had made some inquiries yeah about I, something like that. I would I would watch the hell out of that. I would I would actually enjoy that. I would like that a lot. 
Yeah, that would be very, very cool. But, you know, it was cool to see the Kingdom Come Superman brought to life on screen by an actor we have that affection for. I thought they really did right by him. You know, as far as adaptations, it's kind of shocking that we've never gotten an animated adaptation of this. I'm very happy we haven't, actually. Well, okay. I think I know why. And this is what I was going to say, because I've... I've followed a lot of the DC animated movies over the years and the ones that I've always enjoyed the most are the ones that are taken more directly from the comics, specifically the art style. Like I love yeah. the new frontier animated movie. I'm actually right now in the midst of rewatching the dark Knight returns, which is you know, very oh. much emulates the Frank Miller style. Not nice. Not, okay. I wouldn't say it's quite as close as like new frontier is with cook, but it definitely gotcha. feel, you know, definitely has that feel to it. Uh, Superman, Batman, public enemies, you know, definitely oh. took that Ed McGinnis art. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Whereas the ones that are more, and I don't say this, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people work on these and it's a lot, yeah, a lot goes course. into making them, but some of them just feel a little bit more generic looking to me. And those are the ones that I don't latch onto as much. So I think, I, I think you and I are on the same page where it's like, yeah. if they were ever to do this, Ugh. they would have, they would have to do it. Right. And I, and I don't know what that would look like. I, I really think, I actually think Kingdom Come will lend better to doing a live action HBO Max miniseries because Alex Ross's art looks so much like real people. Yeah. You can't get it. Like you can get away with doing a different art style on a comic book. You can't get away with doing a comic book version of real people. Like we are so close to the kingdom come art looking like a person, have a person do it. <laughs> I think that would be incredible if they were able to pull off a kingdom come like six episode miniseries. Oh my gosh. It would, it'd be incredible. That would be, but I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, but just from a business standpoint, like, isn't it crazy that they haven't done it? Oh yeah. I It's crazier that there's not more merch like that there that like this symbol is so freaking cool. Like the black and red symbol is so tight looking and I don't know why they haven't marketed on that more and brought it back. It's now it's 26 years ago. So that is kind of weird, but maybe, maybe again, HBO is really, they're putting all of the WB and DC properties into HBO max now. I would not be surprised that they just, we see less movies and we see more on HBO. If especially with the flash and all that stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to see that. And it seems like Ralph is on board. So I think that would be, I think that'd be really cool. I'm, I guess the last thing I'll say, and this may be kind of a jumping off point for the next episode, but it's surprising to me that there haven't been more follow-ups in, in, in comics. Right. There was The Kingdom that Mark Wade wrote. It was a two part miniseries with about half a dozen one shots. I'll probably talk about that a little bit next week. It was not very well received and but it did introduce the concept of hypertime and it had the kingdom come versions of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman traveling to the past and right. interacting with the current, you know, uh, then current versions of the characters. So, you know, there's some interesting stuff there, but it definitely didn't didn't capture what, what well, Kingdom Come had been. To kind of fit, like, let's remember that I feel there are Holy Grail series. So just remember that Infinite Crisis, that took, I mean, 87 was Crisis on Infinite Earths. That took almost 30 years to get a follow-up. So 
I do think that it's almost taboo. Like, oh gosh, I don't want to be the person to screw up the follow-up on Kingdom Come, which they kind of already did a little bit. But um, if they're going to do it, they got to do it really well. Well, and I think that's so. So again, just like when I mentioned the animated thing, it's not even so much that I'm saying like, oh, I wish there were more. It's just surprising to me. Yeah. And. And, <laughs> for the amount of bad things that they put out there. Look, I guess that's sort of the point that I'm, <laughs> yeah, that I'm getting saying. at here is that <laughs> I, and I, and I look, I hate to say it, but I guess this kind of speaks to the lack of faith that I have in yeah. leadership at DC where it's like, are they really that worried about screwing it up? Like I, yeah, look what they've done. Yeah. So it's, it's more that, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we got the kingdom uh, when Jeff Loeb did his Superman Batman run, he played around with a version who was dressed like the Kingdom Come Superman, but was not ultimately that version of the character. That was more of a, of a tease. Yeah. And and then of course, what we'll be talking about next week, the Thy Kingdom Come story from Justice Society of America. Right. Um, and that's a post Infinite Crisis storyline. And um, the fifty two series that followed Infinite Crisis had established that uh, the Kingdom Come world was one of the Earths within the reborn uh, right. multiverse. So it really now does have a designated place, you know, within the multiverse, but we've still not gotten a, a ton of use, but yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I think there are certain things that really don't, don't need to be touched and what we have gotten by ways of sequels, you know, of, of varying degrees of quality and worthiness, like the, that kingdom come, we'll talk again, we'll be talking about that. There's a lot of good stuff in there that I, that I did like. So uh, I, I do think it was a, a, a valiant attempt, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I think that they put a pretty good period on the end of this story, too. So if anything, I'd rather see a retelling in a, in a cinematic or, or HBO version. I'd rather not see uh, Let's Try to Make Season 2 of Kingdom Come. I don't think that's going to work. Well said. All right, my friend, I thank you so much for taking part in this. This was really a lot of fun. I hope people enjoyed it. I mean, I think we got at some really interesting ideas and questions. Yeah. I, I had a blast. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks so much for always keeping me a part of stuff. Well, on that note, Bernie, sweet, sweet Bernie, we'll be back in a few episodes. I don't know exactly how many, a few episodes, but uh, <laughs> we have an event coming up later this spring and summer on Lex Luthor, and you'll be joining me for one of those episodes. It's going to be a big multi-part Lex event. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you will be with me for that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll I might need to, to shave my head fully clean to do the <laughs> episode. <laughs> oh, the very last thing I'll say, I, I've been going gray over these past few years, especially on oh. the sides. <laughs> You're and going kingdom come Superman on us. That's great. One of the guys from Fat Moose Comics uh, <laughs> said that, I guess, to be comforting. That it was like, hey, you look like kingdom come Superman. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> I take I, it. Just take it as it was meant. I'll just yeah. take it. I'll, I'll embrace it. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. so you'll be back for that Lex event and uh, nice. yeah, I look forward to that. So thank you, Bernie. Thank you audience. Make sure you come back in one week for part two of our discussion of kingdom Come Superman. And until then, remember it's about what you do. It's about action. The spinoff podcast, digging for justice, a DC fan journey is available now exclusively at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato starting at the $1 level. New episodes release monthly, and many more rewards are available too, including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.